Good to go. How's everybody doing? Okay. Wow. <laughs> um, so, we are in the book of Jonah tonight. We're kind of taking a little sidestep from what Chris has been preaching on. If you're visiting, I'm sorry. Usually, Chris would give you the message, but uh, tonight I'm going to give it to you. So, anyways... Many of you probably have heard of the story of Jonah and the great fish, I'm guessing, right? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, honestly, whenever I hear the story of Jonah, I just imagine a guy getting tossed off a stormy ship and getting swallowed by a whale and then vomited back up again. And that's about it. Um, yeah, so honestly, it just seems like a kind of crazy story someone made up like a thousand years ago to me. Um, it's a bit hokey. And it kind of reminds me of, have y'all seen that commercial? It's like the John Jameson whiskey commercial. It's like one of the first ones they came out with a few years ago. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, yeah, I'll just describe it real quick. I wish I could have just posted it up there. But anyways, basically, there's like this ship and it's in the, in the ocean. It's getting tossed about by a storm. And uh, John Jameson is on the ship, and one of his uh, barrels of whiskey like rolls off. So he kisses his girl and dives in after it. Um, but in hindsight, there's like this octopus coming out, and this giant octopus is about to like swallow him. And it wasn't a good idea. Um, so a few weeks later, um, there's this funeral, and uh, all of Ireland was in attendance including John Jameson. He kind of walks out of the water with a big barrel of whiskey on his shoulder. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I know that seems a bit random, but I think of just a guy getting tossed off a stormy ship and diving in the water. Anyways, so just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, that's what happens when you prep for sermons. You look up whiskey commercials. You know. Uh, <laughs> so definitely not the most believable story you've ever heard, probably. Um, no doubt, nonetheless, if we value the word of God at all, um, we can assume that his message has much more to offer us than a guy just getting tossed off a ship and a fantastical story or a children's nursery rhyme. So what actually happens? The Lord calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was a great city. It was prosperous. And um, according to the ESV Study Bible, it had such luxuries as public squares, parks, botanical gardens, and even a zoo. Anybody want to name a city that has all those things that might be nearby? Yeah, probably. <laughs> kind of sounds like a prosperous city in our day. I think it's really similar to any big city here now. Um, it was also known for its wickedness, and Jonah refuses to go. For reasons you'll understand later in the story. So instead, he finds a ship heading for Tarshish. 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 Try to say that five times fast. It's not easy. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Uh, And sets sail with the crew in the exact opposite direction, west of uh, Nineveh. Uh, But what happens? The Lord hurls a great storm. Here we go, the storm, against them, and the ship threatens to fall apart. So Jonah knows the storm has come upon them because 
he has gone away from the presence of the Lord. He's not following his will for him. Um, so the crew cast lots. Just kind of like a fancy Bible way of saying they rolled some kind of dice, some bones or something random to determine the cause for the storm. Um, and the lot actually falls on Jonah. It's saying that Jonah is the reason for the storm. So he tells them if they throw him overboard, God will halt the storm. Well, you know, these are probably not like the best people in the world, but they were just like, mm, we're not going to throw you off overboard right away. So they start tossing off different things. Um, but eventually they have no choice. Their ship's about to break apart. And so unfortunately they just beg for forgiveness and they throw Jonah in. And sure enough, the storm stops. And amazingly enough, the crew repents and makes vows to Jonah's God. So then, what does the Lord do? So Jonah's just floating in the water, and then the Lord then appoints a great fish and swallows Jonah up. So Jonah remains in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. There he offers a a prayer to God. And here are a few of his prayers. We actually went through that prayer during the call to worship. I don't know if y'all are reading along a little bit. But here are some of his prayers. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you to your holy temple. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So those are just some of the things that Jonah was praying while he's in the belly of this fish for those three days and three nights. So Jonah lifts up praise to God for delivering him from trials before. Um, He also shows confidence in God's mercy and compassion. Most importantly, he concludes his prayer by acknowledging that salvation comes from the Lord. So then the Lord commands the fish to vomit Jonah onto shore and calls him to go to Nineveh again. On the way, Jonah calls out to the people and proclaims their destruction in 40 days. So Jonah's like yelling out, all right, y'all are going to be destroyed in 40 days. So the people of Nineveh actually are afraid. They fear the Lord's wrath and their destruction. So they begin to repent of their ways. Even the king um, removes his robe, like his royal robe, and wears sackcloth and sits in ashes um, out of repentance. He also sends out this proclamation. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. So the Lord sees this. And instead of destroying them, he actually shows compassion and relents from his his wrath. He doesn't destroy them. So I think most of us would be satisfied if the story just ended right there. Sounds pretty good, you know. Jonah is told to do something. He doesn't listen at first. And then he goes to Nineveh and he come and he calls out to the people. The people actually repent, which is a good thing, and that's great, right? Yay! Like they didn't get destroyed. That's awesome. Um, I mean what else do we need to know? Repent, believe and everything's alright. Right? But the story doesn't end there and we're gonna pick up with Jonah chapter four. So if you have your Bibles Read along with me in Jonah 4. 
But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant, but when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? This is God's word. Please pray with me real quick. Father, I just give thanks for your word, that it uh, holds your gospel, it holds your truth. And uh, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would work in me and, and deliver this message. And um, that our hearts would be open to what you have to say through it. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Do you do well to be angry? That's the question that's being asked. Do you do well to be angry when you miss the bus or the metro? Do you do well to be angry when you get a B minus on that paper you started two weeks ago and you got peer reviewed and you took to the writing center? Do you do well to be angry when people are being loud in your hallway? Um, I know what that's like. Do you do well to be angry when Duke beats Maryland? Oh, okay. Uh, Do you do well to be angry when you find that yellow envelope waiting for you perfectly on your windshield in Lot Z at 3.55 p.m. right before it's free? Yeah. Uh, Do you do well to be angry when someone snubs the music you like? This is a question we must ask. as we find ourselves quick to anger, quick to aggression, and quick to even quick to hate. So why do we get angry? What is the purpose of getting riled up about anything? I think it's a question we like to avoid. Again, I was looking up YouTube videos. I don't know, like, this sermon prep was all about YouTube videos. Um, I wanted to see, like, I forgot exactly what I was doing, but I was looking for an interpretation of Jonah. So I looked up, like, this nice little children's version. It was going great. Like It was very, very engaging. It was very colorful. It was kind of jokey. It's like, yeah, they threw him in anyways. And there's like these pirates and like, ah. So it's, it's great. Like it's a very short video and it was very biblical. And then it got to chapter four, that part. And then the city is like, they repented and they were like holding Jonah up and they're like, yay. And then he sat outside of the city while they were celebrating. They're like, and then the end. And I was like, what? <laughs> you just left out my part, like the, the hard part, honestly. Like, kind of wanted your like easy explanation of chapter 4, but I didn't get any. And I think that says something about our culture. I think it says something about 
the church right now, I think we don't want to deal with those passages that are a little bit... I mean, this is a touchy chapter. I don't know if you noticed. It's like, do you do well to be angry, you know? And it kind of pushes your... Uh, uh, I don't know, your values. But uh, anyways, I don't think we um, even accept the fact that we're susceptible to anger. Um, I think we try to avoid that as well. We get angry because... We don't like something about the world, about our lives, or we're not satisfied with the way things are. And actually, I think this is okay. I think that's, I think that's reasonable. The world is not perfect, right? And we have fallen from paradise, according to the Bible. Um, and it says the world is not in the state it's meant to be. If Satan hadn't tricked us, we wouldn't be here. Like we would just be chilling with Jesus right now. So. First uh, John chapter two verses fifteen uh, to seventeen kind of speak to this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. I think you could say in these cases maybe. You're even justified in your anger. You're dissatisfied the way with the way the world is, um, but your heart just desires for justice in the world. But there are some times where you could say maybe your anger is not actually justified. That you don't do well to be angry about certain things. For example, so hopefully this is a good student example. I'm not a student here, but let's say you're in line at the diner. And or the calf, whatever you want to call it, and you're ready to pay for your dinner. Another student in front of you has forgotten his card and doesn't have a way to pay for his meal. So the cashier is like, "Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Don't worry about it." So the guy's like, "Great!" And he just moseys along with his burgers, fries, and a soda and starts munching on them at another table. Um, so you walk up to the cashier and she says. That'll be ten dollars and fifty-three cents, which is probably not that unreasonable for University of Maryland diner. Am I right? Nope. nope. Okay. Okay. I'm not right. Okay. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> so you look down at your burger and your fries and your soda and think that's not fair. Why does that guy get the exact same thing as me without paying anything? Um, you'd probably be a bit angry at this point. Uh, it would be unfair. But we still must ask ourselves, do I do well to be angry? What is God, our creator, our father, our Lord, our counselor, tell us is the greatest commandment? Let's look at the Gospel of Mark for that answer. So Gospel of Mark Chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them all, them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answers, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no, uh, no other commandment greater than these. So, your creator, your counselor, your Lord Jesus Christ says that your greatest purpose in life is to love him 
with all your soul, mind, and strength. And also to love your neighbor as yourself. So I ask you again, do you do well to be angry? How can you love your neighbor as you would love and care for yourself in anger? How's that profitable to spend energy on those things? I told you it would be a little bit touchy. (laughs) How does Jonah love his neighbors? Jonah does not love his neighbor. Trick question. And Jonah does not love his Lord, his deliverer, either. What does the passage say? But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. What is Jonah angry about? Um, The Lord just showed mercy to the people of Nineveh. They repented from evil for his sake, and he didn't destroy them. What's there to be angry about? And going back to chapter 2, when he's praying in the belly of the fish, what did he pray? He said, when my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So, Jonah gets it right here. What happened in between that time? Uh, all the way to Nineveh. I'll tell you what happened. Jonah still didn't get it. He wanted God to bless him. But he didn't want him to bless anybody else. He wanted it all for himself. He did not see the great things that God was doing by bringing his people to repentance. Again, we are quick to anger, quick to aggression, even quick to hate. So, story goes on. God appoints this worm to destroy the plant that was providing a shade over Jonah outside the city. And he asked Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons, who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. By the way, when the Bible says someone doesn't know their right hand from their left, they're saying, like, they don't know any better. Like, they're spiritually um, unaware. They're ignorant or they're morally unaware. God is creator of all things. Does he not know what is best for his created ones? Jonah missed it. He was angry that the repentant Gentiles of Nineveh were spared by the grace of God. So don't miss God's message to you here in the book of Jonah. Do you do well to be angry when other students live licentiously while you struggle to follow Christ's commandments? Do you do well to hold grudges against someone who tells you that they don't want to be friends with you anymore? Do you do well to be bitter about your parents' divorce? Do you do well to hate them because of their lack of nurture? Do you do well to hate God when a friend dies in a car accident? God says no. You do not do well to be angry. And God is slow to anger. He is compassionate and He is merciful. As His people, we are called to live lives where we are also slow to anger and abundant in compassion and mercy and love. I'll end this pretty short sermon with this. There's this uh, really good song by the Avid Brothers. It's called The Ballad of Love and Hate. 
And the song ends with love and hate. There are these, these characters um, in the song being reunited after a while. And the lyrics go like this. Love has been waiting, patient and kind. Just wanting a phone call or some kind of sign. That the one that she cares for, who's out of his mind, will make it back safe to her arms. Hate stumbles forward and leans in the door. Weary head hung, eyes to the floor. He says, love, I'm sorry. And she says, what for? I'm yours. And that's it. Whatever. I should not have been gone for so long. I'm yours and that's it forever. You're mine and that's it forever. So, my prayer for you tonight is that when you approach God, whether you're reading the Bible or you're praying or taking a walk or playing your guitar, that you come with that same disposition. As our Creator, our Counselor, our Lord Jesus waits patiently for us at the gates of heaven. I pray that we come to Him and say, I'm yours and that's it. Or he'll say, I'm yours and that's it forever. You're mine and that's it forever. Do you do well to be angry? Let's pray. Father, I just give thanks. Um, even though this, this message is hard for all of us in different ways, a lot of us don't even understand uh, the ways that we can't be angry and the ways we struggle with anger. Um, but I pray that we don't even focus on that as much as we focus on the way you love us and the way that you are slow to anger and that you show compassion to your children. And uh, I just pray for each one of the people that's here tonight that they would strive to love others and show compassion and mercy, um, unlike Jonah at that time. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Stand up.